This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notifier button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. I'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, RX Smart Gear. Dave and his team have developed the perfect jump rope to counter common performance miscues, which in turn enhance the learning experience. They have an ergonomic grip and a swivel connection for better accuracy, and the resistance levels have helped with better timing. And the custom sizes promote proper form and technique. It's built durable to stand up to the rigors of intense workouts, and it was in fact prescribed to help you get better. That's how the RX Smart Gear Jump Rope was born. Dave Newman and his team have been a great partner for us in the podcast, and we appreciate him so much for all of his support. So don't forget to use the Clydesdale 15 discount code at checkout and get 15% off your order at rxmarkgear.com. And don't forget that that excludes new releases and special editions. We are so excited to now have Mobility Movement as a partner. Their holistic approach to recovery is second to none. This is not just a program that helps with your flexibility and mobility. It also assists with stress release and sleep, two key factors in overall recovery. The website gives you a plan for, for each week, saves your favorites, gives you sleep protocols, has a specific protocol for your first week joining, and then there are these new things called open snacks, which are super cool. Here you are given quick warm-ups and cool-down protocols for the open wads, featuring elite athletes Allison Scuds and Saxon Panchik. And who doesn't need recovery after those open workouts? The extensive library available to you is both vast and diverse. If you want to try Mobility Movement, go to mobilitymovement.com. That is mobilitymnt.com. And make sure you use our code CLYDESDALE20, all caps, to get 20% off your first six months. That's mobilitymovement.com, mobilitymvmnt.com. Use code Clydesdale20 to get 20% off your first six months. I've been using this since the first of the year and I am sleeping better than I have in so many years. And with all the back issues I've had over the last five years, this has given me so much relief and I'm able to work out four to five times a week without any pain at all. So go to mobilitymovement.com. That's mobilitymvmnt.com and use Clydesdale 20 to get 20% off your first six month subscription. Well, we're so I got to ask James before we start. So I have to know, what was your marathon time? <laughs> I ended up coming through at 3.37. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a good day. Good day. Legs are still a little bit sore now, but um, yeah, it was... It was good. It's exactly what I remember it being um, the last time I had to do one. So the last <laughs> probably 10 kilometers or six miles is like yep. the roughest part. And yeah, but it was good. It was good. Like it was, yeah. I, I did have a toilet break somewhere in there, like around probably the eight or nine K mark. Probably took a couple of minutes. Um, so yeah, I think on my Garmin, it would have probably projected at like 335, 334, somewhere there. But yeah, I could 337. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Yeah, good fun. Good fun. Well, well, we are we're super laid back here, so just going to be a casual conversation. As I was doing research, man, you are one fascinating individual. The, <laughs> the multitude of things that you have going on in your life is amazing. 
So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, For the audience, we're with James Newberry, um, four-time CrossFit Games athlete, 2019 fifth fittest man on earth, um, has been through a lot in his life. He is an inventor. He is an author. uh, He does programming, um, triathlons, marathons, mountain biking, you name it. This dude has tried everything. (laughs) Yeah. So so let's start with, um, I want to start with, the, the biggest news right now going on with you, and that is that you did the quarterfinals and an <laughs> Olympic triathlon in the same mm-hmm. weekend. Yes. So yes. Tell, tell us that story. So um, getting ready for uh, the, I guess, the, the quarterfinals, it, it, wasn't like a, <laughs> it wasn't like a huge, huge, huge priority. Um, I had really only done maybe a handful of CrossFit sessions in the last couple of months. Um, I'm, I'm living in Geelong now uh, with my girlfriend and we've kind of just like put in the calendar all these really, you know, fun uh, races to do. And we wanted to try and knock off the list. We wanted to get uh, a sprint distance, uh, a sprint distance triathlon. We wanted to get a CrossFit comp under our belt. We wanted to do an Olympic distance, a half Ironman, a full Ironman. Um, half marathon, marathon, and then also dabble in a little bit of powerlifting and uh, uh, Olympic weightlifting competitions throughout the year. So it was kind of just like getting them all, you know, ticked off the list, but also, you know, having fun with them at the same time. And it just so happened that the Olympic distance triathlon that we had put in the calendar was on the same weekend as uh, quarterfinals. And I was like, oh, well, it looks like I'll just be doing quarterfinals over Friday, Saturday, and then, you know, do the Olympic on Sunday. So I kind of busted it all out, like fairly, fairly close together. Um, and so I ended up doing six events that weekend um, because I had to redo one of my events because my camera didn't start, which is a, which is a bit of a bugger. So I did, um, I got as many done as I could on Friday. And then I did a couple more on Saturday. And then I was not very conditioned to CrossFit. Um, so doing like high repetition squats and lunges and things like that, it toasted my legs. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny when I woke up on um, Sunday morning and I was, it was super early. We're heading it down to the race, which is probably about maybe a mile bike ride. So we got in our bikes, still dark and we're riding down and we're like, oh, my legs are actually really sore. But as soon as I got into it, it was actually quite fine. Um, and yeah, and then we just basically, we hit the Olympic on the Sunday morning and yeah, had a blast. How did your recovery go after that? Well, we did have, we did have a, we did have a few drinks at the end of that. <laughs> so, all right, there you go. <laughs> but uh, it, all in all, I was, I was good about a day later. Like I wasn't sore. It was basically just the doms from not, you know, when you when you, do you know high repetition wall balls or high repetition uh, pistols for the first time in a long time? Even even though you've been training, yeah. just the stimulus that is just it just triggers you. For me in particular, those movements just get my DOMS going crazily. Um, I guess it's just not something that my muscles don't get used in that way on a on a regular basis unless I'm training specifically for a competition. Mm-hmm. If I was training for competition, like you know, you can it two or 300 wall balls and not be sore the next day if you're conditioned for that stuff. But when you don't touch, you know, uh, fast, uh, 
rebound uh, wall balls or uh, or pistols. Like just for me, that just gets me going. And yeah, I was just super sore, but it doesn't take long for me to bounce back either. Like yesterday after the marathon, I was extremely tight and sore all around my hips, all down through my legs. I'm still a little bit sore today, but I'm 50, 60% better than I was yesterday. So Amy likes to recover with an ice bath and a beer after any physical activity. Love mm-hmm. that. Love that. Mm-hmm. That's how long I stay in the ice bath, however long it takes me to finish the beer. And then I know it's done. <laughs> it's time to get out and recover. Love that. Yeah, I do. I do like an ice bath too. Um, luckily enough, where I've lived most of my life, I'm in very close quarters to the ocean. So I've been using, I use the ocean a fair bit and we do a lot of our open water swims just here in the ocean instead of in a lake or in a river or something like that. Um, but yeah, ice baths are something like I had in my house in Adelaide. Um, I had an ice bath in the recovery room. I had an infrared sauna, a float tank, um, I like a Norman tech setup. Um, it was, yeah, I had, I had everything that you could possibly want. And then I had the ocean like a hundred meters away. So I was like spoiled for choice when it came to recovery and recovery is something that I really do um, look at as a big thing, especially if I'm trying to compete in so many different things. And, you know, the idea for, for this is, you know, to have as much fun as I possibly can. Um, and I also want to make sure that at the end of a, a competitive career and competing in sport that I can still go for a surf if I want to, I'm not going to be so, my body's not going to be so worn away that I can't, I can't surf, I can't hike, I can't travel all these things that, you know, I can currently do. Um, I still want to be able to do them when I'm 60, 70 years old. So just trying to make sure that I am doing the right things for my body whilst also pushing it to its limit on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm reading this, but you are saying that your priority this year is fun. Just having fun doing whatever comes yeah. up. Yeah. And not yeah. necessarily a CrossFit game season or any one of the events. It's all of it. Yeah, it's all of it. And, and, you know, look, I'll like, I've got six weeks until the semifinals and I'm going to, now that the marathon is done, that's our last calendar um, event ticked off until after the CrossFit game season, just because that's kind of just the way it worked out. Like the Ironman that we're looking at potentially doing is December, December this year. So I, we wouldn't really have to gear up for a crazy endurance stuff until then. So the next six weeks for me, I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on my CrossFit training. Um, but yeah, I just want to go there and have fun. And, you know, if that falls in a place that qualifies me for the games, fantastic. Um, but I'm not taking it. Um, I wouldn't say as seriously, um, but I'm not taking it to the nth degree that I have in years past where it's like, I live and breathe it day in, day out, 24 seven, I wake up just to train and, um, you know, to recover and then just to get back to the very next session. Um, this is my 12th season and I'll do it and I'll represent all the people that, you know, get behind me to do it as best as I possibly can. Um, and I feel like I've laid a fairly decent foundation for me to be able to, like, I'm never going to lose those movements as long as I'm touching on them, you know, every month or so, but it's mainly just the capacity, like the leg endurance, the um, aerobic endurance, like the forearm endurance, if I can have all those in a state where, you know, I, where they're, you know, um, the better than average, I should do decently well. Um, and if I qualify, absolutely great. And if I don't, you know, I'll put my, be the first person to put my hand up for demo team again, because I absolutely loved the demo team. Um, so I would definitely go ahead and do that. Definitely. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different scenario for me this year. I just have so many things that I have not done for 12 years. This will be my 12th year competing. Um, and I just want to, I want to tick a few things off the list and focus on some areas that aren't wholly and solely just, um, competing at the CrossFit games, because I've done that, done that a fair few times and, you know, I've had a good taste for it and I've, I still feel like I could be competitive. Like this year going into Waterpalooza with the boys, um, I didn't do a ton of training. I was kind of just doing, you know, swim, bike, run, and then maybe the occasional, you know, back squat session during the week sometime. And we still had a good showing there in Waterpalooza. Um, taking second place was, you know, quite a surprise to me. I thought I would be letting the team down hard, but everything is kind of still there. It's just like, I might just have to hurt a little bit more than, than normal to get things done. So, um, but that's okay. So yeah, at, at, you're completely spot on. I want to have fun with as many different things as possible. And, and um, yeah, dabbling, dabbling in, in anything and everything and, and focus on some things that I've, you know, neglected for the last, you know, decade. Well, you've, you've touched on two subjects I want to come back to. Sure. I'll let Amy go first. Okay. Well, I was going to ask about the demo team and I was going to ask, is that when you're in cons, bromance kind of started? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the funny thing about the funny thing about me and Khan is that we've been competing almost since uh, our, our, you know, both very first CrossFit session. Um, I think I started a year earlier than he did. Um, I went to regionals in 2012. His first regionals was, he was on the scene, but hadn't made like I think he was just after the regionals in 2012 he started and then he qualified in 2013 and we were always pretty much I think there was about six competitions over the course of the next seven years where we were within one place of each other either he would be one spot ahead of me I'd be one spot behind him or one spot ahead of him etc etc and we were always in very close very close quarters in many many competitions from the open through to regionals um it was yeah it was we would just always like laugh about it send it to each other and be like oh again one spot away one spot away <laughs> and in 2014 uh he qualified for his first time at the crossfit games in third place i was in i think maybe third place at the time so i was in a qualifying position i'm pretty sure and i had to win that workout to stay in my position and he had to place no no more then three spots behind me to take my spot. So he needed to come fourth or worse or four, four spots behind me. And he came in like two spots or three spots behind me and he got the ticket to the games and he beat me by two points. So he, his first day, like rookie season was 2014, but it was very close mine. So we've always had a, uh, like a really good relationship. We're roughly the same age. And um, we come from very similar backgrounds in terms of growing up on the beach, doing surf life saving, playing, uh, playing rugby all throughout childhood. And um, so very similar in, in many different ways. But we, yes, you are 100% correct. The bromance really started at, at the games. <laughs> um, that's, where we, that's where we got to hang out a lot and get to know each other even more and, and realize that we have a, you know, a ton in common. And um, from there, he basically once the games was finished he just said hey what are you doing after this do you want to come to france and i was just like yeah i want to go to france and uh i was like do you want me to be there as your um as your coach for the weekend because he was competing in the marseille throwdown <laughs> and he's like yeah absolutely so i said great yeah i'll come along and then we booked in that then we booked in copenhagen two weeks later which was a team competition at butcher's lab 
And then we were going to head back to the States and go to Rogue. Um, and then I ended up coming home. But that period of time between, you know, the demo team and going through Europe uh, was, yeah, we kind of really, really hit it off. And we spent some time down in South America and, you know, really hit it off and just, you know, got along really well. Very easy to travel with. Um, we're both, you know, pretty easy going and uh, we're kind of, you know, chasing the same things we're probably both at the same point in our careers where you know we want to you know get everything we can out of it um you know you know leave everything on a, on a good note um and then also start focusing on you know other aspects of life that don't just you know revolve around just beating yourself down in the gym every day yeah we've had allison scuds on a couple times she said this year's demo team was the most fun she has had in a very long time yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have uh, heard that um, from some of the guys that um, in the like the the CrossFit Games management said you guys just look like you're having such a blast like all the time. It's like yeah, we're, like this is great. I, I think coming from competing um, competing at the games and doing demo team is two different, very very different mm-hmm. um, mindsets and what you need to build yourself up for. I trained as if I was going to compete at the CrossFit games with Tia in Nashville. So doing the CrossFit games training for two months, um, knowing that you're not going to compete at the CrossFit games was very, very rough, but at least I then got to use some of that fitness to its fullest potential doing demo team, but doing the workouts when you just have to get up there and just get them done. And, you know, if you don't execute perfectly, it's not the end of the world. Um, and that's probably more of the mindset I should have gone into in years previous at the CrossFit games, because it just kept you in good spirits more of the weekend. And if you're in good spirits, you probably work out better. And that's what I did in 2019 when I did well, is like, if I had a bad event, I kind of just brushed it off with every other year. I was, you know, hung up on bad events and was like, I didn't do that perfectly. I didn't make, make all the points I could have in that event. So yeah, the, the demo team, the demo team was all kinds of fun. It was great. And I, and I got along so well with everyone in that team and we all just vibed great. Like it was, it was fantastic. And you were really willing, you know, Castro would walk in and be like, all right, I need someone to do this workout. And you would just know that you'd, you'd want to get up and do it. So the other guys didn't have to, you'd want to take one for the team. Um, just because, you know, it's probably going to be a pretty gross workout. It's going to hurt really bad. And you're just like, you know what? You guys have been so good to me over this last couple of days. I'll do it for you. <laughs> so, and then the world tour that you and Khan went on, um, mm-hmm. that was such a great follow on, on social media. Oh, you guys need to do a TV show where <laughs> you guys tour the world and just like show the great hot spots and the, and the good eats and all that kind of stuff. It would be oh. awesome. Well, we actually, to be honest, we actually kind of spoke about this um, we said, oh, we should do a bit of a, do a bit of a road trip and, you know, set up, set up, whether it be just, you know, come and train for the day, but do it very much our style, which is kind of like, come and train, but then let's go get a beer afterwards, yeah. you know, instead of just let's go do a, you know, eight hour training camp and we teach, teach everything that we could possibly know about CrossFit. How about we just come in, we do a strength, like we do an old school CrossFit setup. We do some strength, we do a Metcon, we do some skill. Then we go out, have a drink, get to know everyone. And that's, that's like just as much a part of it as, you know, doing the, doing the clinic or the seminar, hanging out to do a workout. Um, 
And we actually threw that idea around a fair bit and uh, to go around and do it through somewhere like Europe, you know, be so down for it. That'd be super fun. Be like, yeah, it'd be a good time. I, I guarantee it. And if we could get it vlogged and, and, you know, take a camera with us, that would be even better. Yeah. Awesome. So then I want to touch on just a little bit about Wadapalooza. Yep. So um, one of your teammates couldn't make it to the States. So Matt Delugos jumps on and he's a yep. friend of the show. Yep. And uh, I was at Wadapalooza watching Perfect. Matt have so much fun out on the floor with you oh. guys. was oh. one of the highlights of the weekend for me. Oh, it was my highlight. Watching, watching Matt have such a good time there was making me so happy that he was having a good time. Like, I'd never met the guy before. The first time I met him was him walking into our hotel room saying, hey guys, I'm here. And uh, that was like the first, I didn't even, I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know anything. All I knew, Khan just said to me, hey, the, uh, Matt DeLugos, he won an open workout. Um, he's tall, he's super strong. Um, yeah, he's like, he's an absolute stud. He's going to do well. And I'm just like, great. I'm just here for fun. Like, let's just, let's just have a good time. And then he walks in the door and he's like, you can tell that he's like giddy about being there and um, he's just pumped to be on the floor. And then after the first workout, I'm just like, oh, well, this dude is legit. Like he's like so fit. And yeah, you can tell, like you can tell he's got a good number of years ahead of him. And just with the way that he's, you know, switched on, the way that he's like, he, he approaches workouts, he's got some serious capacity and he's definitely going to be, you know, he could be the next Brent Fikowski. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, but he is a tall, tall dude, but that, but the greatest was the lifting event, the strength event that oh, he oh, finished man. off. He saved us. He saved <laughs> us so much. Well, he saved me. He saved me like, man, there's no way put it this way. If that was an individual event, I probably would have come close to, to last in that event. And he put us so far up that we came like third or something like that. That's how well he handled the barbell, which I was so impressed with. I think what the way that we structured that workout in particular, it, that was like, for us, that was perfection. We were like, we were going into that event thinking, let's just get through this one. And then Matt comes out and just dominates the barbell. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's just take a top three. <laughs> so, with the way Wadapalooza goes, it is a it is a party the whole weekend. Yeah. Is that the best environment for you and Khan to compete in? One hundred percent, like one hundred percent. It was like it was a party all weekend. And if I have to be honest, on the final day, the weather got obviously the weather got cold for a bit, and everything was turned off. So at like ten a.m., we were already we were already having drinks at ten a.m. <laughs> awesome. So we went into the last couple of last couple of events uh, like a few beers down already. So that, that was perfect. And you know, I haven't been to Waterpalooza since 2015. And back then, I was so serious about everything. I wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted to put on, like perform ex extremely well. And honestly, every time that I've just relaxed and had a good time and didn't take everything so seriously, I've done so much better. Um, and that was the first trip back there since 2015. And now I feel like it has to be a staple um, every year that I can still compete and still move around. It has to be a staple and just go there and just have a good time. And, you know, if you do well, fantastic. And if you go there and have, have fun, fantastic. Yeah. A couple of beers in and you still finish second. 
yeah we are yeah it was it was great it was like great loosened you up <laughs> it did yeah it did yeah. it really did 100 and it like it for for khan and i if it's like mega mega serious constantly all the time it's not a great time if we can be a little bit more laid back and and you know see it for what it is and you know fitness is fantastic and it's good for so many things um but after you know and there is a period of time where you do have to suck it up and take it super serious but uh, i think for us both now it's more about how much fun can we have doing this thing that we've been doing for a de- like for the last 10 years like how much fun can you can you suck out of it um to 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 make it you know to uh see it in a different light and see it for what a lot of other people see it for which is you know going out and being social and having having a good time and and training with friends and um, you know just creating memories really um whereas you know throughout 2016 17 18 it was just for me it was just i just want to win the crossfit games i want to go there and i want to compete the best i absolutely can and i have the ability to do well i need to make sure i show it now it's just like oh if it if if i go there and i do absolutely great then you know that's that's awesome and you know it'll it'll that'll be cool but i've trained harder and more intensely and more um uh, structured for events and done poorly and then i didn't train i barely trained once for waterpalooza and we come and get second so you know it's like and I'm not saying that everyone can do that. I think I was just the teammates around me kind of held me up. But uh, I think that for me, for me and probably Khan and mostly speaking for myself here, but I'm sure he's probably in a similar boat is that, you know, he wants to finish his career and who knows how long that'll go for um, on a high note. And I think having fun doing well and then just, you know, not taking everything so seriously all the time is, is a good way to, is a good way to um, be intrigued to go and to go and keep training and to do things like that. Not, not have as much pressure on yourself to, to be perfect. And I think it's a great way to like, Oh, sorry, sorry. I'll let you go. I just think it's a great way to like celebrate, like towards the end of this, you know, like you were saying this decade long thing, like finishing out kind of this professional part of your um, life is like, this is a celebration. Let's enjoy it while we can. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Charlie, sorry. Yeah. So the the real question is how was Matt's form drinking out of the boot at the end? (laughs) He was actually did it very well. Very Australian. Very, very Australian. I have to get him actually, I have to get him down to Australia. He's um, he's like, he's, he's hanging to get around. And I think because he's still so young, He's going to have the opportunity to be able to go and travel and go to different spots and train. But yeah, he's a, he's an honorary Australian now after he's done done a shoey um, on uh, US soil and, and taking a podium spot. So yeah, he, he's welcome here anytime. So I want to I want to get a little more serious. I want to talk about the mountain bike accident. Yeah. And and how you then five weeks later did a triathlon with mm-hmm. broken bones in your back. <laughs> yeah sure absolutely well yeah the story of the the story of the mountain bike crash was um i i did a 70.3 and so a half ironman in just after the open in 2019 yeah just after the open 2019 i took a couple of weeks off i think it was two or three weeks i took off to renovate my gym so i didn't train at all and i said to myself this will be a great opportunity to get back into training a guy from wales had just recently joined my gym and he was into triathlon and he was doing crossfit 
And I was talking to him and I'm just like, oh, so what do you want to like, what, what do you do? He's like, oh, I actually really like triathlon. I was like, oh, really? I didn't know you like triathlon. And at that time, I wasn't super into it. I'd heard about it. I'd maybe done a sprint before, um, maybe one sprint when I was like 16. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I did Geelong, uh, did Geelong half Ironman last year and had a blast. And I was like, oh, cool. That's great. And then um, he said, actually, this weekend is Murray Man 70.3. Um, and I was like, cool. Like, what's that? And he's just like, oh, it's like half Ironman. And so I was starting to learn about this stuff. And it was like three days away. And I was like, well, let's go do it. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then I was like, no, nah, let's go. Let's do it. It'll be fun. Let's just go real slow. And so we went and did, we got a couple of people from the gym. We went and did the 70.3. Man, it was tough. I remember running that last 21K thinking, I think I had about 11Ks to go thinking, whoa. And my final kilometer, I was like, I am barkled. Like I thought, so this is a half. That means that there's a full. Means that you have to do all this all over again. And I couldn't in my head comprehend how tough that would be. And so I'm sitting with it for the last kilometer of my run. I finish and I'm hobbling over to find somewhere to sit until the guys finish. And I just thought to myself, wow, I have to try a full distance Ironman just to see what that feels like because that would be brutal. And on the way home in the car, I signed up for a full distance Ironman later that year in December. So I messaged all the guys and I just said, hey, uh, let's go do a full in December in, in Busso. And they all agreed. And then I went around my gym and just said, hey, do you want to do an Ironman this year? Do you want to do an Ironman? And then we ended up getting about probably five people to do the 70.3 in Busso and six people to do the full distance Ironman. And uh, they all committed to doing it and I roped them all into it. And about five weeks out from that event, uh, we were going to do a road ride. And then a couple of guys from the gym um, said, hey, how about, and some of them were the people that were doing the Ironman said, hey, why don't we go for a mountain bike instead? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we went for a mountain bike instead. Uh, coming down on the last run of the day, Coming down the last run, one of the guys was in front of me. He uh, was he shot off, and I was like, I would try and keep up. So I've taken a corner a little bit too quickly, overshot the corner, went over the handlebars, and then basically headbutted a tree like on the way down. And as I headbutted the tree, I kind of like rolled up the tree a little bit, and there was a couple of protruding branches, and one of those branches like got me right in the middle of my back. Um, and luckily, it was no like there was no like uh, disc disc um like separation or anything like that it was all that was all quite fine i just took off uh a few uh spinal processes in my back broke a couple of ribs uh punctured my lung and then yeah i was i didn't realize at the time but i hit the deck and i was like struggling to move and i was just like oh I'm, i could feel everything i was just like oh wiggle your toes and because everything was everything felt real cold like i was like super cold and i was just like wow I said, that, that hurt. And I was like lying there, couldn't really move. I was just on the deck face down. And I was just like, oh, doesn't feel too good. Give me, give myself five minutes. And then guys, guys started coming around and they're just like, you okay? I was like, yeah, just give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. Can't really breathe that well. Um, eventually I get up and I'm, I walk out. Like I couldn't get on the bike, couldn't really move. I was very stiff and end up walking a couple of kilometers back to the car. And then I was going to get in the car. I felt pretty dizzy. And I was like, oh, I've probably got a concussion or something like that. And then uh, one of the guys said, oh, dude, maybe we should take you to the hospital. I was like, no, nah, take me home. I should be all right. And then he calls his his partner and she's a nurse. And she goes, how are you feeling, James? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all right. She goes, go to the hospital. And uh, she kind of knew straight away that I probably should go to the hospital. And so I went in there. 
Um, they ended up doing x-rays and things, got all those, you know, all that, um, all that stuff, you know, confirmed that, yeah, I had, I think three broken ribs, uh, three, uh, spinal processes were like cracked off, off where they should be sitting on the, like the shark fins that come off the back of your spine. Um, a punctured lung, which they were more so worried about, um, because it was partially collapsed and, uh, yeah, probably a concussion as well. Um, and then I said to those guys at the hospital, I was like, okay, so what's the, what's the healing rate for this type of stuff? Like, what are we, what are we looking at here? Probably can't do a lot for the next four or five weeks. And I was like, oh, I've got a, I've got an Ironman in five weeks time. That is like, oh, no, you won't be doing that. And I was like, oh, well, I've just, in my mind, I was like, well, I've convinced all these people to do it. There's no way that I can't not do this with these guys. Um, and we'd been training for it as well. And I was just like, oh, it's such a waste to just like see it go. So I sat in the hospital for five days. And then the day that I got out, I went home. It was about 5 p.m. And I went and sat on the bike of the indoor trainer and just like kind of like moved my legs back and forward on it. And I was very stiff and very sore. And I thought, okay, tomorrow, I think I can pedal. So tomorrow I'm going to start off with just doing an hour. So the next day I got on the bike, I pedaled for an hour day two pedaled for two hours day three pedaled for three hours and it was nothing crazy it was very slow i was in tt position and once i was in tt position on the bike i could just stay there my back was really jacked up like all my muscles in my upper back were like locked on i couldn't take a deep breath in like my breath i could only pull my breath into maybe like 30 40 percent before it started getting really like really sore in my chest um and i thought if i can't train 100% for this Ironman, the, the least I can do is go hardcore on recovery. So I was in the ocean four times a day. I was getting in my infrared sauna morning and night. I was sleeping extra. I was eating extra. I was in my float tank whenever I could. I kind of just like tried to turbocharge everything. I was trying to get as much sunlight as I possibly could get outside, not just sit in bed for a month like I think a lot of people would do if they get, you know, ACL surgery or they get, you know, a shoulder recon or whatever it may be. I was like, I'm going to try and be as active as I possibly can without having the pain go above like a level four. Uh, so I just tried to move as much as I could and do all the right things. And, you know, I put red light therapy on my back, whether that helped or not, you know, I just did everything I possibly could. Um, and then after day five, so day five was five hours on the bike, did five hours on the bike on day five after getting out of hospital. And then, you know, I was walking to and from the beach um, and I got to around about, I think it was day six or day seven, I went to the pool to see if I could do like a really relaxed, casual stroke. And I could, as long as I twisted with it and kept my back really flat instead of like tilting and like shifting my spine a lot. So I could swim, not very quickly, very, very slow. So I could swim. The worst thing was running because the impact of me running was just jolting my back and everything was very still, like quite sore. So I don't think I started running until about day nine or 10. And it was very slow and it was like 40 minutes at a time. Um, but I was, be, I was able to cycle on the indoor trainer. I wasn't able to ride outside because I couldn't make any fast turns or anything like that. So I was just riding on the indoor trainer and then my breath got to about the point, I think this is about day 10. My breath got to a point where it's about 50% I could bring it into. And when it got to 50%, it almost like felt like I had a stitch down my sternum. I couldn't 
draw a full breath in, it was like something was impeding my breath. And if I tried to push past it, it felt like my chest was going to explode. So I've gone down to the beach and I'm sitting in the water and out of nowhere. And there wasn't a lot of waves where, where I was, you know, where I was um, living at the time. And I saw a wave coming. I'm just like, it's so peculiar that the wave coming. It's just some rogue wave is rolling its way in. And I couldn't move very quickly. I have, still had to turn, moving my whole torso to turn like I couldn't twist. And I'm just like, oh, this wave is actually going to get me far out. Like I can't move. I'm just going to have to sink into the water and go below it. And at that point, I still wasn't able to move quickly. So this wave's coming. And I just basically natural instinct when you go under the water is to suck in a breath. And I totally forgot about what was happening because it was all happening so quickly. I sucked in a breath. And as I did it and went underwater, I felt almost like, you know, when you get your back cracked, Mm -hmm. I felt that, but all through my sternum, like I felt this big, big release in my sternum and it was the weirdest sensation ever. And I thought to myself, what just happened? The wave went over the top of me. I stood up and I went from like having 50% breath in to full breath, like hundred percent in this, like then and there, whatever happened, whatever was impeding my, my breath, it was gone. I could take a full breath in with no pain, no nothing. So it was like, felt like either it felt like my lung was catching on a rib and it just pushed its way past it or something like that. It, you know, obviously that might not be a thing, but um, it, it, that like made me feel a million times better. It was the most satisfying feeling after going like almost two weeks without being able to breathe properly. Um, then from there, I was kind of in probably, you know, I was training at like a medium intensity and then I went back and got a rescan done on day 15 and at day 15, he, the doctor said, your ribs look great. I can't see any fractures in your ribs or anything anymore. He goes, they look good. And I, he goes, what have you been doing? And I was like, been running. I've been cycling. I've been swimming. Um, I've just been doing recovery every day, like been eating good food. I've been getting out in the sunlight. And um, I've been saunering twice a day. And he's like, mm, okay, cool. <laughs> like, you look you look good. Like, you're... you're, you're um, your spinal processes look great. Your ribs look good and you're moving around. Just keep doing what you're doing. And so basically by that point, um, I think on day 16, I did a mock, mock 70.3 and I got the 70.3. I got the mock 70.3 done and I was like, yeah, I can do the Ironman for sure. So that was about, yeah, probably three weeks out from, from Basso. Um, and by that stage I could run, bike, swim quite fine. So I didn't know it was an Ironman. I just thought oh, yeah. it was a triathlon. Yeah, and yeah. Five weeks after that accident, you did a full Ironman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full distance. Yeah. Yeah, three. I think it's, I'm not sure of it in miles, but 3.9K swim. So I think it's like 2.4 mile swim maybe. And then uh, 180K bike ride. So I think 112 mile bike. And then. 26.2. Uh, 26.2 mile run. So 140.6. 140.6, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What is in the water down there? <laughs> uh, honestly, honestly, I think it's it's a strange thing. And I think until you've done, done a couple of things to test yourself, you build yourself up in your mind for whatever you're about to do. I found the full distance Ironman no harder than I did the 70.3 earlier on in the year. Um, I, mind you, I didn't train at all for a few weeks leading into the 70.3 and I've never done anything like that before. But 
I found that full distance just as hard as that. Yesterday, the marathon was because I knew I was doing a marathon. The marathon was very, very difficult yesterday. In the back end, the last 10 Ks was, was tough, but it was just as tough as the last 10, 10, 15 Ks in the marathon in the Ironman after already doing a 3.9 K swim and 180 K bike ride. Um, you know, it was, it's all, I feel like it's relative. It's relative to what you build self up in your mind. Um, I think if you can, if you can understand it, like if you had told me, okay, you've got to do two Ironmans back to back, you'd probably get through the first Ironman fairly. Okay. Like you'd probably get through it because in your mind, you know, you've got a whole nother one. Whereas running Bendigo half, put it this way, running Bendigo half, half marathon. So 21 kilometers of running a few weeks ago, that was very tough. The last couple of Ks was very tough because I pushed the pace to that pace. Got to the 21K mark yesterday in the full marathon, which is halfway mark, felt great, felt good. Felt like I could do a whole nother one, no problem, but it got to the last 10Ks and then I felt like, oh, this is really setting in now. So I feel like you can build yourself up to just about anything if you, if you think about it enough. I think that's exactly right. I think it's totally exactly where your mind, like you, when you know, oh, this is the distance I'm doing. This is when I'm done. That's when the mindset, shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And it starts to, and you start to think in your head, I'm almost there. And then the Exactly, to, but I still have an hour. Yeah, I've still got an hour to go. Like that's exactly right. Whereas, you know, if, if, it, was a, if it was a 50K run, if I knew I was doing a 50K run, I probably would have gotten to the 42K mark you know, in okay fashion, you know, like it would have been okay, but I was like dragging my legs to finish yesterday. So at the 42K mark. So I think, I think it's very relative to what you perceive in your mind as well. So you talk about what you ate uh, in your recovery. So how long have you been a vegan and how has that changed your performance since you switched? Yeah. So I actually started, I went vegan it would have been about four weeks before I had the mountain bike crash. So, yeah, so it was um, right before that. And then, uh, yeah, I felt honestly no different, no better, no worse um, than what I was doing beforehand. Um, I basically just substituted, you know, beef for tempeh, chicken for tofu, um, pork for lentils, um, and it you know, and then just added in some extra things like beans, which I wasn't having on a regular basis. And then just making sure I was getting a, a good um, array of like nuts and seeds. So, and I felt like I was probably having too much protein prior. Like I was trying to aim for like roughly 215 to 220 grams of protein a day. Um, I'm roughly sitting on, I would say 160 to 175 a day now, depending on how much I train. Um, sometimes maybe even a little bit less if I don't train at all in a day. Um, but I... I don't feel like it's had any negative impact, but it's had no drastic. I'm not superhuman. Like I know a lot of people will change their diet and be like, oh, I feel superhuman now, feel great. Um, but I've been doing it like two and a half years, roughly now, I think. And I, f I feel like my trajectory has been almost identical. I did a powerlifting comp. Um, and this is probably a good way to look at it. I did a powerlifting comp in December of last year. So like four months ago, um, and I didn't do a ton of fitness, fitness. Like I wasn't doing, you know, a lot of cardio, but I wasn't lifting much either. I was maybe lifting twice to three times a week. So I wasn't doing a ton of training at the time. Um, I was focusing on some other areas of life, some business stuff and whatnot. But I thought, you know, I really would like to get a powerlifting comp under my belt. And 
I went to the powerlifting comp. I'd done, I'd maybe back squatted maybe a handful of times between the games, the CrossFit games and December. I deadlifted twice between then and I'd bench pressed probably more than anything. I'd bench pressed, you know, just with the guys in the gym um, in a session, probably a dozen times between then. And I did this powerlifting comp and I PR'd my back squat. I equal PR'd my all-time deadlift and I PR'd my bench press, my pausing bench press um, all in that one competition. Um, And that was all off the back of, you know, still eating plants um, and not training a ton, but obviously doing a lot less fitness. So I think doing tons and tons of cardio does bring down your numbers a fair bit. And I wasn't doing any of that. So yeah, in, in two years, and that would have been two year mark there. So I can't, I can't exactly say that, you know, I've, it, it has effectively affected me adversely uh, to put it, to put it in perspective. Like it's not instantly gone from eating meat to being, you know, not eating, not eating meat to being then weak after is that's not the case. Like I haven't PR'd, I haven't PR'd my deadlift in oh, three or four years. So um, to equal PR my deadlift um, is, you know, that was a 260 kilo deadlift for me. I think that's what 575 pounds somewhere there. That's um, for me, that's a, that's a great lift, whether I was, you know, no matter what my nutrition was, that's fantastic for me. So what do you tell someone like Charlie who thinks the only vegetable he can eat is a potato? (laughs) Hey, I love potatoes. I love (laughs) potatoes. Like I'm trying to have potato every day, pretty much. (laughs) Honestly, like, I think, I think, um, you know, each to their own. And I'm definitely not, uh, I'm definitely not uh, a vegan that is going to push this on everyone to do. This is like a personal choice. And if I can just, you know, if the one thing that's stopping someone from eating a more plant-based diet is the idea that it's going to make them weak um, or the idea that it's going to make them unhealthy or the idea that it's going to make them Uh, be lacking in nutrients if i can just be there to show that that's not the case great you know cool i love that um but i'm not i'm definitely not going to sit here and just tell everyone that they have to do this because this is you know the best thing to do it's it's the right diet for you or it's the it's the um the most environmentally friendly thing to do um i think if i can do it in a way that is not annoying and just you know just do it in a way that just shows hey here's what i'm doing you can actually be fit and healthy and strong, still eating a plant-based diet. And if that's the only thing that's holding you back from doing it, you should give it a go. Um, and that's, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I just try to make sure I get a lots of variety of, you know, different colors on my plate and eat to the, to the, to the macronutrients that I think support my good performance. And that's pretty much all I do. So you now have a cookbook. Yeah. Yeah. So, what so that's awesome like because that helps other people who may be curious about it like gives them some options what what did you use for your reference when you were figuring out what to eat yeah honestly it just took a bit of time and i've been looking into it for a fair while prior to to doing it um but youtube was great instagram was great um there was there's plenty of resources just online just if you're looking at even on Google, just typing in, you know, great protein rich plant-based recipes and something will pop up on, you know, on a bunch of different um, recipe sites that give you a plant-based option. Um, Like just learning about what the foods have, um, like what the, what the rough percentage is in comparison to other things. Um, 
I just basically just YouTube and Instagram. I just followed a bunch of um, vegan um, vegan chefs or vegan um, cookbook authors on Instagram. And then their stuff would just pop up all over my feed. And I was like, oh, I like that idea. I like that idea. And then I just started adding in weird things to, you know, my, my dinners and things like adding, you know, berries and nuts and things like that on top of my dinners just to get a bit of variety and color onto the plate. Um, just to make sure that I was, you know, nailing my, you know, my micros, making sure I was getting vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and things. And that was really it. And then I just kind of like, just, you figure it out as you go, but you have to take the time to be like, oh, I don't know what to have for, for dinner. Okay. Maybe I'll look up a recipe. Oh, you can make your, you can make a vegan poke bowl. Great. Cool. I'll do that with tofu. I'll do that with tempeh. I'll do that with beans or whatever. And I'll just, you know, cook some, cook some rice and put it with a bunch of, you know, stuff that you'd get in a normal poke bowl, which is pretty much plant-based anyway, just take out the fish and put in some tofu or tempeh and you're good to go. So it was all I really wanted to do in the vegan athlete ebook was just give 40 meals that I would use over the course of a whole month, like in variation, just, you know, this is what I could possibly have during a whole month. And I'm going to jam it all into a week for you guys. So you can see it on a day-to-day basis, how you would, if you wanted to structure it into a week, you could do it like this. Some of the calories are very, very high in some of those days because I tried to cram in six meals in a day, which I don't have every single day. Um, if I'm super hungry, yeah, I will. But then there'll be other days where I'll have three meals. Um, and I'm very much, and I tell people this a lot, I'm very intuitive with how I eat. Um, if I'm working on the shipping container all day long and I'm not doing any training, um, I might only have three meals in a day. I might wake up, I'll fast for a couple of hours, I'll have breakfast and I'll have lunch and then I'll have dinner. And then I might have a smoothie at some point in between there. And that'll be me for the day because what's required of me today is definitely not what was required of me yesterday doing the marathon. So every day is, is a little bit different. And I feel like you don't have to be perfect to feel great. So you said something there that piques my interest. You said working on the shipping container. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Paige and I are renovating a shipping container and turning it into an Airbnb. So yeah, we're, 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 we're having a crack at that and we're not tradies by any means. We're just uh, having a go at it, which is pretty fun. It's good. Well, that's perfect. Cause uh, Amy and I are trying to get to Australia at some point. So yeah, sick. Oh, hey, we might uh, have a place for you guys to stay. Don't worry about that. Perfect. So oh, that's like, cool. I wanted to talk about all the other books you've written, yeah, uh, including there's a physique one. There is uh, like a uh, the one I loved is Swim Like an Aussie. Yeah, that was my first ever one, and I I wrote Swim Like an Aussie. Um, <laughs> kind of funny because when I first went to the CrossFit Games, the Aussie the Aussie contingent was known for being quite decent at swimming, and in 2016. I was not a great swimmer Um, and I felt like I had to train extra hard in the pool so I couldn't let down the commentary team because I knew the commentary team were going to be all over how well the Aussies swim because we all grew up by the beach and we all know how to swim and and all that jazz. But unless you do swimming training, like you're usually not a typically great swimmer, especially in a race format. So I worked extra hard. I would go and do extra sessions at the pool just so I wasn't like an outlier in, in the water at the CrossFit Games. Um, and then I ended up getting really hooked on it. And then I just figured, you know what, like people, a lot of people want to know, you know, how we swim, how to, how to structure a day of a swimming session. Here are 21 swimming sessions that you can use in day to day. 
seven of which are skills and drills. So very low mileage, um, seven are power and, uh, like speed sessions. Um, so short, like 50 meter, 50 meter intervals or 50 yard intervals. And then the other one's more of an endurance session where you're hitting like two and 300 meters at a time. Um, and I figured I'll write this ebook because I know how to structure a swim session. It's very easy to me. I've never written an ebook before, so I'll do it and I'll call it swim like an Aussie. Um, and I didn't expect it to do, you know, you know, super numbers or anything like that. Um, just because it's such a niche and a lot of people don't like getting in the pool. Um, and it didn't do like, it didn't do overtly well. Like it was like, not crazy. It sold a few, but not, not many. Um, and I kind of figured that, but I really just wanted to test myself out to see whether I could write an ebook and, and have it presented decently enough. And how many ebooks do you have now? Oh, there would be one, two, three, four, oh, probably five or six. And I have three that are finished that are waiting, waiting to be, put on on the store so three three more i i have a functional ironman ebook which i brought out which is more like olympic to 70.3 distance um just tying in you know a bit of crossfit and triathlon so if you do want to still do your crossfit and do a triathlon and get through without being completely buckled by the end you could do so um and then a lot of people ask me for a full distance ironman prep so um so i've just finished writing um functional ironman long course which is basically getting ready for like a 140.6 whilst doing a bit of CrossFit training at the same time. But I had to structure that over 16 weeks, but then also taper off the CrossFit. So you're more so focusing on mileage towards the end, just so you can get through. Um, and then a couple of other cool ones like, uh, yeah, it was like, like how to find, uh, how to find plant protein easily enough and add it into your diet. I've got one of those coming, which is finished. And then um, we've got another one that's like a, if you're you cut for time, you've got no time. So it's basically, it's called triathlon for tradies. Um, so it's basically triathlon for tradies in the time poor. So if you don't have a ton of time, but you want to do an Olympic triathlon, it's just been always on your bucket list just to get a triathlon done. It's like an hour or less a day for like five, six days a week. So just being super efficient with your time, getting ready for a triathlon. So it's not like you'd have to spend hours and hours on the bike. And then you have nine different programs available for people. Uh, I think I counted on your website, which is jamesnewberryathlete.au. Uh, yeah, doc, yeah, doc, I think it's just .com, I think, actually. <laughs> okay. okay. That's the one. Yeah, I've got heaps heaps on there. It's, um, yeah, there's just basically I just wanted to take all the knowledge that I've gained over the last 10 years um, and then just chuck it, chuck it into a book where someone can be like, oh, I'm interested in that. I would like to see someone's, um, someone's, uh, perception on how they like to approach strength training and endurance, which is what I love. Like, I don't like focusing on any one just thing. I like to do a little bit of everything. And, you know, it's like becoming, trying to make yourself the most hybrid athlete possible. Um, and that's what I quite enjoy and just do whatever makes you feel good and makes you happy at the time. And, you know, I might be really, you know, turned on at the moment by doing endurance stuff, but I really am keen Paige and I are keen to do a, a strongman comp this year at some point. So I'd love to get into learning how to lift a log properly and learn how to pick up an Atlas stone and, and do all that. But I'm sure I'll probably do that one weekend. The next weekend will be a half marathon. So <laughs> I want to be prepared for anything. So you're also an inventor. You are yep. the creator of the tiny timer. Yes. And I believe, I believe, so I go to Christy O'Connell's gym. Oh, cool. Yeah. One. She does. Yeah. She's got one of the original, like, She's got like my prototype version. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. So what made you uh, come up with that idea? 
So uh, the idea for the Tiny Timer came around in COVID when it was everybody's locked down. I was actually doing Zoom calls with a lot of people overseas and taking them for training sessions. And I was taking one of the guys who plays on the ATP tour. He's a uh, professional tennis player. He's an Australian guy, um, Alex Diminar. And I was doing like an interval session with him that was recorded and it was going to be uploaded to the ATP tours, um, Instagram and IGTV. And I kept having to muck around with trying to get my computer to display the Zoom and have a, uh, a timer on the, on the thing itself. And he was doing the same thing and he was going over time and I was going under time and it was just all a shambles. And I thought, you know what, if there are so many people that are locked down in hotel rooms and locked down in their apartments, especially in the European countries at that particular time, it would be good if they had the feeling of having a gym timer in there that they miniature, that they could start, it would act and it would sound exactly like a regular gym timer, just like you would get in your CrossFit gym and just have it there sitting in your room. Um, it would, it might be that little bit of extra motivation you may need to, to do a 10 minute, a 10 minute EMOM or a 15 minute AMRAP or, you know, to do Tabata. And I thought this would be a really cool idea or what else could I use it for? And then for me, I always struggled to see the clock. If I didn't have a watch, I would always struggle to see the clock at the pool. So I thought if I could have a timer that would sit on the end of the pool on a tripod, that would be also very cool. Um, and I was like, okay, well, this, there's two things there. This might be a thing. And I was like, oh, well, I think this use case is great because there are a lot of people now training in their garages. Um, it might just be something that's cool, portable. You can take to the park. You can take to the beach. You can take it anywhere. You can use it in your house. It doesn't take up a lot of room. You can chuck it in your gym bag. And then I thought, you know what? Miniature gym timer, let's go. And then I was sitting there and I was actually looking at my dog, who's a miniature dash hound. So a miniature sausage dog. And I thought, perfect. Let's call it Tiny Timer. There we go. And then uh, that ended up being my logo, which is like an outline of one of my dash hounds. So what I loved is the magnetic part of it, right? You can yeah. stick it on yeah. the rig. So if you're yep. doing one of these like video submissions for CrossFit, mm -hmm. you plop it right on the rig. That means yep. you can keep it in the video shot. Yep. You don't have to like pull one down off the wall or... Yeah, correct. Oh, and that was the worst thing, trying to hook up uh, one that was connected via like a, a power cord and trying to navigate it through the gym and you've got extension cords everywhere. I just didn't want to have to deal with that as well. You know, there was just so many cool use cases for it. I just figured, you know what, why not? I'm going to like, I'm going to lash out here and have a crack. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that stops people from, you know, actually starting a business is like, oh, okay, that seems like a lot of work. But once you get into it, you just chip away at it. You chip away at it like anything else. Like you, you start something, you find a roadblock, you figure out a solution for the roadblock and you move on to the next one and you're bound to find more roadblocks along the way. Um, but the thing now that we're doing with the Tiny Timer, version two is in the works and we have prototypes for that and it blows version one out of the water. Like it's so much better. Like I'm really excited for you guys to see that one. That's going to be, it's going to be very, very, very cool. And the Tiny Timer has its own Instagram page. Yep. So you can check it, it out there. Yep, you can. Yep, the tiny timer. Yeah, I I actually have a garage gym and my I have one of the big timers. I wish that was out when I bought my timer. Oh, that's all right. Oh well, I'll um I'll send you one of the new version once it comes out. You'll love it. It's so cool. Awesome. So are you still a gym owner? Uh Soul three sixty five? Yep. 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 Still have Soul. That's in Adelaide. Um, yeah, I've owned the gym. I opened the gym in 2013. 
March 2nd, 2013 was the day we opened. Um, yeah, still, still um, own that place. And it's, it's, you know, it's turned into so many different things. It's evolved over the years so much. Um, I've renovated that thing more times than I can count. And it's gone from CrossFit mode to mode fitness to Soul 365. It's just changed and developed over time. And, you know, it's at now at a point where I feel like it's, you know, it's a beautiful space. Um, it has a fantastic community. My dad manages the gym for me. So he's there every day making smoothies and coffees and handling everything from, you know, <laughs> cleaning stuff to managing, managing, um, you know, memberships and everything like, so he's, he's the glue that holds that place together, to be honest. So when I was looking at their Instagram page, you're running a coffee and, and, uh, cardio. Challenge. Yeah. Yeah. How do you yeah, mix so coffee like and cardio? So basically the idea behind coffee and cardio is like in, in a local spot in Adelaide, there's a, a car show, like a car meetup, it's called coffee and Chrome. And it's like, you take your, you take your, your, um, your, uh, upgraded, your upgraded car or your, your vintage car that you've done up over the years and you take it and you have a coffee and you sh show it off to other people, coffee and Chrome. And I thought, Hey, like coffee and cardio is pretty funky. So we just called it Soul 365 Coffee and Cardio. Um, so basically, I wanted people to have a place where they could come, they could train, they would you know, be able to get a workout in, but also sit down, have a coffee and be social. I feel like that's a big aspect of what we were trying to implement is people coming to a spot to not only you know, get the benefits of working out, but also get the benefits of, you know, meeting new people and having, you know, social connections. And, you know, I feel like that was the idea behind overall health and fitness wasn't just making you physically, physically able, but also, you know, having some, you know, mental, mental stimulus to having social connections. I feel that, feel like that goes a long way for, um, I feel like that goes a long way for people and, you know, having, you know, solid mental health. So, you know, just adding in just a simple thing by having a coffee machine there um, was a good way to get people to start chatting with each other. And it's worked tremendously. Like, it's great. People sit down, have a coffee and meet someone they've never met before. That's awesome. Well, I have one more question for you and I'll turn it over to the other two. Sure. Um, and this is my geek question. Ringer one, ringer two. <laughs> yeah. Did you know going into ringer one that you were going to sell out so much that ringer two was going to suck? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was, I was all in. I put all my chips on the table at that point. Uh, I got a call from Michelle Laton, who was coaching me at the time. And she just messaged me and we'd done a lot of assault bike sprint intervals like that before. And toes through rings is for me, very, like, it's a very easy movement for me to do uh, like constantly, even out of breath. And she just said to me, Hey, I think you're better off going for the win on the first one and then just, you know, do whatever you can on the second one. I was like, love that idea. Sounds great. Let's go. So she just said, go full send from, from the get go. So I was like, all right, sounds great. I got very nervous at that point because I knew how much it was going to hurt. And um, yeah, so that's kind of like what I did. I, I, I went in there with the idea, with the knowing, with the confidence, knowing that I can win this first one. Um, and then knowing that I will be, buckled for ringer two and i completely was like i remember finishing ringer one thinking you're okay you're okay you're okay 20 seconds later you're not okay you're absolutely not okay <laughs> you, you've done yourself in what have you done um and well worth it mind you well well worth it uh, i got to the start line of ringer two and i went to jog off the line and took i think two jogging steps 
and then just started walking. Like I had nothing. I, I had zero battery left. And then I remember trying to do a burpee. And normally like your burpees are reactive. You're off the ground straight away. I was laying there for like two seconds at a time looking at my judge. My judge was laughing at me and just he just knew that I had nothing left. I just got through that workout with whatever I had left and it was slow, but well worth it. Like to get the win in an event, great. Did, do you know the wattage you were turning on that bike? Um, you know what? I kind of blanked out. As soon as I started, I kind of blanked out. I just didn't, I don't, couldn't really see, I couldn't really see a thing, but I dare say usually when I crank the assault bike up to like max wattage, it's usually up around like 1700, 1800 watts usually on there somewhere. But I think like in, in that one, for instance, I think, so the time on the bike was about 30 seconds. And I think the time from the start line to think uh, to the assault bike was roughly four seconds. So it basically took me 30 cows in 30 seconds. I think my best ever, my best ever output in a training session, I think I've done 40 calories in 28 seconds before. Somewhere there. So when like, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, if, if it was, there was, a, there, I did go all out, but I think there was just a touch of, okay, you might have to get back on the bike again after this. So, um, but it was, it was, it was enough. It was enough. Amy, Charlie, you have anything else you yeah. want to ask? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask, uh, I saw, you know, on your last Instagram post when you were talking about the marathon and you said you've been running three days per week to prepare for that. So I came into CrossFit being a marathon runner first. And then, you know, once I started incorporating CrossFit, I was like, oh, I can run less, yeah. you know, days per week and by incorporating CrossFit. Um, so did you add other workouts or cross training into this particular training session? Um, no, not exactly. Uh, so we were preparing, so Paige and I were preparing for, um, Geelong Ironman 70.3 a few weeks ago. It was about six or seven weeks ago. And we were very particular in the training. I was following along Paige's training. She was, you know, this is her first half Ironman. Um, she was, you know, very committed to getting all the work done, even when you didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Every session was ticked off the list. Every, every box on, on training peaks was green. Um, and so we were very, we, we woke up with the priority every day that training, training is number one. We have to get this training in. Once we finished 70.3, we were just like, okay, let's focus on the shipping container. Let's focus on doing some other things. We have a few businesses, um, between us. So it's like, okay, we need to focus on, on, on some other things now. Let's, you know, make those a priority and let's get the training in done around that. And if we miss a day, we miss a day. We'll try and make it up tomorrow. Uh, so we have been structured it with the intent that we would get our running done as a priority, um, which was roughly three days a week, just knowing that we had a marathon coming up and we had Bendigo, the half marathon coming up. Um, and then in and around that, we have been to the gym maybe a handful of times to do a little bit of like, I've been doing some deadlifting um, and then Paige has been doing um, some like some squatting and stuff as well, just for, you know, potentially we want to do a strongman comp near the end of the year or, or after the CrossFit game season. So we just wanted to add in a little bit of that, but all in all, we haven't been doing really any, any CrossFit. Uh, the only CrossFit we kind of did during that period of time was like the quarterfinals lead up and um, like the open stuff. Um, so we haven't really been doing a ton there, but now that the marathon is done, we're going to start incorporating it. We have a CrossFit comp, a partner's CrossFit comp in two weeks time. Paige is doing it with one of her um, old friends and I'm doing it with one, one of Paige's friends. So 
Um, we're going to start doing a little bit more and obviously leading up to, to Torian, I'll have to do a little bit more as well. Um, but yeah, in the lead up to the marathon, I think if I was to go back and I really wanted to do like a great time, obviously I'd have to up the training. Like I think running three days a week for a marathon is, is not enough. Um, it was enough to get me through, but I was very, very sore obviously by the end. And, you know, I wasn't all that pleased with my time. I was hoping, I was hoping for more like around like 315, 310, somewhere there. So to come in at 337, um, I felt like I could do a lot, a lot of things a lot better. Um, number one was probably the mileage. We weren't doing a ton, a ton of mileage. We weren't, we're doing more mileage running, getting ready for the 70.3 than we were getting ready for the marathon. So I think, yeah, we could have, could have structured a little bit different, but also, you know, we got it done with the intent to have fun. We didn't get it done with the mm -hmm. intent, to, like we're going to crush this, you know. It was yeah. like, let's get it done, but let's also not neglect the other things in our life as well. What, what's your what's your best what's your best marathon time? Out of curiosity, three three fifty seven fifty seven. Nice, came it under four my, hours. That's great. Yeah, that was my goal was to get under four hours, and I said once I get under four hours, I'll retire from full marathon. So, right, great. Oh, how good yeah. is that? Well, it's yeah. um I, that was almost identical to the time that I did in Bustleton um at in for the uh for the Ironman. I did four hours and seven seconds for that yeah. one. And, oh my God. I just remember the last three kilometers felt like 10. <laughs> mm -hmm. fun. It's good fun though. It's good. It, yeah. it teaches you a lot about yourself. Yeah. Charlie, you got anything before we let James go? Yeah, well, I'm good. Well, James, I want to thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Um, oh, I man, my didn't even get to talk to you about Machu, Machu Picchu. <laughs> Machu Picchu. Oh, Machu Picchu. Oh, that's all right. Hey, well, if you guys want me back, I'm more than happy. I've had a blast. Uh, had a blast. Yeah. If you want me back on, we can talk about a million other things. Yeah. Yes. We'd love to. Cool. So, uh, love that. We'll let you get through the game season a little bit and maybe have you back on. Great. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Nice Thanks to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.